0: My advice is just think about alternative exit strategies and, and sort of have those, and show that you've thought, thought about those. A good capital advisor or finance broker is, is worth their weight in gold to, to the lender. Packaging the, the information that is described in the way that lenders like to see it, a good capital advisor will, will know how, how that should look and what
1: is needed and what is not needed. Hello, my name is Alex Harrington-Griffin. I'm your host of the Real Developer Podcast, powered by the awesome Land Tech, creators of Land Insight and Land Fund. In this episode, episode 10, we get into the discussion around what is affecting the lending market at the moment. My co-host, Ollie Holden, Senior Broker at Land Fund, joined me to talk to Callum Ferguson, Head of Business Development at Clear World Capital. And together, we got into everything from the importance of having a plan B exit, doing your DD. On your choice of lender, whilst also looking at the value a broker brings to the table. Remember, if you enjoy the episode, please like and subscribe. And on that note, let's get on with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Real Developer Podcast. My name is Alex Harrington Griffin. I am your host, and I'm joined by co-host Ollie Holden, senior broker at Land Fund, part of the Land Tech ecosystem. Morning, for,
2: Ollie. Morning. Thanks for having me.
1: And we are getting into a part two of a conversation uh, on the funding landscape for SME developers. We've got Callum Ferguson, the head of business development for Clearwell Capital. Um, and in episode nine, we went into a little bit about the, external, the internal process Sorry, of Clearwell Capital, what developers can do to be mindful of the current landscape, um, how they can work in it with any lender and what they need to be mindful of as well. Um, this session for our audience is to get into a little bit more about the external environment and the risk that comes with development at any time and obviously the lenders. But what we're trying to do is to get in people's head the mitigation and obviously understanding from a lender's perspective, what you see as potential um, risk elements or greater risk elements for the next year, but also the things you think you're excited about. So we can talk about positive things as well. Excellent. Um, to kick us off, Callum, <laughs> for you guys as a lender, what do you think is some of the biggest challenges you've got? And then how are you positioning yourself to make sure that you can lend as much to smes next year there's a couple of challenges
0: out there i think we you know um there's going to be an election at some point next year which will which will cause a bit of um what tends to happen around the elections is people sort of pause or or, or slow down a little bit with, with investment decisions and that's not just um funders and people like that but people buying houses right they may choose mm-hmm. to sort of hold off for for a few months whilst the um whilst the landscape becomes clearer um we've also got sort of High interest rates, albeit more stable interest rates now that 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 sort of um I think people can kind of understand what their mortgage is going to cost them if if they move now over the next two or three years so so um although that is still a challenge, it is also maybe we're over over the brow of the hill if you like um so so from a lending perspective we're we're making sure we're um communicating and collaborating with our with our current borrowers, making sure that we're on top of everything that they're looking to do next year. And making sure that we're kind of um, best placed to help them with, with those with, with those projects. Um, we're also sort of making sure we're um, speaking with the the, the the market of capital advisors to make sure they know exactly what sort of products we're offering and and how we see um, the market going forward. Um, so really just making sure that people know what, what what Clearwell want to want to do in terms of a lender and actually making sure that the people we want to lend to also um, know we're there to support them Um, you know I I did I wrote a piece at the start of this year for um, for for a sort of industry publication and at that point there were a lot of uncertainties I feel in in the market you've got sort of and there still is a bit of global conflict going on you've got a, a sort of political situation in the UK which always seems a bit on a knife edge and and you had interest rates that were rising quite rapidly I feel that although none of those sort of things are completely resolved they are more stable and it's a better position to look to underwrite at the moment because these things are now baked into people's expectations Um, the shock basically
1: shock factors are sort of baked. yeah
0: exactly and the other thing was you had you had a lot of um growth in house prices over the over the covid period and Mm -hmm. you uh, you know everyone kind of knew that you're underwriting on data that is going to is going to taper off or or at least flatline at some point so you you just don't want to get caught Mm -hmm. in that in that position where you've underwritten against a, a a high value which which is tailing off and you've got other pressures that are, that are leading to to construction um costs you know and, and other things going up finance costs going up it just squeezes the margin on the deal so i feel like it's a better time now to underwrite a deal than it was um 12 months ago and that that might sound a bit strange but mm-hmm. but, but it, it certainly is
1: can i just I suppose, fast track a question on that as well, because one of the things in doing our initial research and getting to know Clearwell, for me anyway, um, was that you sent me the house price guide that you produce. Yes. Um, That obviously is a fair bit of work. How does that feature in your underwriting decision-making process? What is the purpose of those kind of documents um, for your borrowers and your internal perspective? i mean from an internal
0: perspective it's it's something that we do do on a monthly basis so that we i think we'll feel we've got the best handle on on what on what's happening and the best way to do that is to understand the kind of binary data points that, that are going into that so stuff like mortgage applications you know um house prices growth all that sort of thing um listening to the news and picking up those bits is not the best way to do it. Um, that, that actually, is. if you look at what's happening, um, and, and that's the purpose of that document to, to sort of give you a, a sort of, um, you know, a, a number of charts, a number of graphs, a number of sort of data points that can say, this is what has been happening for the last or three view. months. more real mm-hmm. view, you, you know, um, and that should allow you to identify trends, um, you know, and sort of see, you know, make some, some judgments as to where we are. Um, so the purpose of it internally is to give our sort of, um, you know the leadership team a a sort of a a reference point to sort of make make decisions on on where we are going to be in terms of gearing and uh, products and that sort of thing um so taking that into account and looking at that over the over a period of time for in terms of our in terms of our borrowers it's sort of um you know it's it's for them to understand that we that we look at all these sorts of things and we are we are making informed judgments hopefully on on, on what's happening in, in the price in, in the house prices sort of spectrum in, in, in you know interest rates what's happening with those what the forward curve is saying mortgage approvals is a big one that we've we've been looking at and also planning applications so we can mm-hmm. make a judgment on how much or little there may be there may be coming through over the next over the next couple of years so um there, there, there's a number of different things in there um it's it's to hopefully give you the best most informed starting point to make a decision yeah you know, no one can predict the future but you know we can be as up to speed as possible on what's been happening in, in in the sort of short to medium term
1: well hopefully some of Landex data or data sets you know whether it's from home tracker we had into this studio uh, a couple of weeks ago um or the planning reports can make their way into uh, your yeah. house guide index yeah. at some point can i just ask quickly does that feature as part of the consultation process when people are get, you're getting to know a new borrower or you're looking at a scheme? Because obviously, you know, if you've got that information to hand, if it was in our team, and I know the data that goes around land tech obviously is circulated so that we all have an idea of what's going on in the market. and we can you know, Everybody in the business can be aware of what our, develop, our clients are going through. Does that feature as part of the initial discussion to say, great, really like your proposal, your timeframes, everything else? have you factored in this is what we're seeing at the moment? Does it become part of a consultation to kind of fine tune or is it more just a checklist for you guys internally?
0: It, so far, it's been used in, internally. I think you raise a good point. It could be used actually more of a consult- consultative way with, with our borrowers. Um, but I, I think really, um, you know, we want to understand that our borrowers have thought about the exit and and have we thought about a couple of different ways we may exit if things aren't, aren't, aren't fantastic out there. Um, you know if a borrower is telling me you know it's a bull market right now for selling houses I probably would have that might be a bit of a a, a bit of a, a bit of a red flag but um, you know just just understanding that, that they've thought about the exit process properly um, but yeah I think it could certainly be a, a, a sort of consultative um, tool for that sort of thing particularly data that isn't as widely reported stuff like mortgage applications and, uh, and things like that because that is that, that is really important if People aren't getting their mortgages approved. They're not going to be buying houses in two to three months' time. So, mm-hmm. And if there's been a steady decline, you, there may be an underlying reason for that. So, yeah, it could, it could certainly be used in a more consultative way.
2: So, Cameron, you've mentioned a lot on what Clearwell do in terms of the underwriting process. Um, and you know we both know, we all know that historically 2023 was a tough year for valuations. Um, and you mentioned previously that one of the main things you're seeing are longer sales periods at the back end of these developments which you've just touched on there is there anything that you can share that would help or a developer would help a developer in the current situation current market when considering lending with that in mind
0: yeah i think i think uh, unfortunately you know factoring in higher finance costs should be you know you always have a te- a, a bill contingency in the numbers you put forward in an appraisal mm-hmm. i would think for from a developer's perspective having you know realizing that finance costs may be a few percent higher than you uh, when you would imagine because you know it we we are not seeing lots of off plan sales at the moment we're not seeing you know um that's it's not that sort of market people want to go into it you know they want to go into the property it, it needs to be dressed you know it needs to be you know almost oven ready if you like to to to, to buy um, so appreciating that that period may may stretch longer um so i think from from the outset maybe being a bit more cautious in your sales expectations um themselves may may save some issues later on where, where, when you're already a bit further down the track. Um and I think also exploring the other kind of um exit um strategies that are out there. I mean those things like LDS sales guarantee, which I you know we've yeah. spoken about in the past, which, you know, is i it, it is not a perfect solution, but it is a a solution to, you know, give you that certainty that there is that there is potentially a, a, a fallback exit there, which in this sort of market, I think most lenders would appreciate. There's also, you know, there's a lot of um, registered providers and, and local authorities out there that have actually quite large budgets to to sort of buy affordable affordable housing. Um, so engaging with people like that at an early stage and showing that you've had those conversations to, 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 to lenders it can be a really good way also to, to mitigate. Yeah. You can show you've got a a fallback scenario lined up or it's is at least in the stage of being worked on, the lenders far more likely to kind of you know maybe challenge the valuer on on the sales period, or maybe say you know can we underwrite something something lower? Um, I think the problem you had over twenty twenty three is the fact that you've also had base rate going up, so so the buy to let option, which was quite often the kind of you know get out of jail free card if you like, of sort of well been delayed in the build, but I can I, I can rent them or or get a, a dev exit product to to, to sort of um, f- find my way through it has been harder to to, to to get because the loan's been more expensive expensive than you expected and the new loan is more expensive because the because c- c- the base rate has, has gone up so i think now things are, are a bit more stable it should be a bit easier to to kind of work through that but that that would be my advice is just think about alternative exit strategies and and sort of have those um, and show that you've thought, thought about those when, you, when, when you're when you going into the initial underwriting stage, because a value may well stick three to six months on the end of your sales period, which will affect the the amount of money you're getting on day one from your lender.
2: It's quite a nice segue, actually. One of the questions I wanted to ask you was about where do you as a lender see risk? And more specifically, where is there more risk than, in certain areas than in others? We've spoken about delays there, um, which obviously with increased interest costs, you know, that starts to become far more relevant far more quickly um but as a lender where do you see the bigger risk is it planning delays is it the sustained high land values or is it the housing market and you know, values going down going up we're not entirely too sure where they are at the moment where from your seat is the most or well, the biggest risk at the moment to you yeah it's interesting
0: it's an interesting question so
2: I'm going to surprise myself a
0: bit with the answer because we don't really do much planning lending, but I do think that is the biggest risk to probably the sector as a, as a whole. I mean, I, I, you guys, at Atlanta, maybe know better than I, but but the the number of planning applications being approved and actually being submitted which more worryingly is is dropping quite quite drastically and has been so for the last 18 months or so. So there will undoubtedly be less development projects being started over the next two or three years, which is mean there's going to be more pressure on supply, which is then going to fund into funnel into the second, you know, part of the question, which mm-hmm. is, you know, that will undoubtedly lead to higher prices. And land value will be will stay high because a consented site will be will be more sought saw, yeah. after. Um, and as we know, if the land value is too high, the project is almost under stress from day one because you haven't got the correct margin in there. People then looking to take shortcuts and you know to to sort of keep costs down. And that ends up with a, with a less desirable, um, you know, project. And and you're you're building things that people are going to live in. You know, if they don't, if if it's not done well, if they don't like it, they just won't buy it. It's not the sort of asset that you know. You, you know, of course, if you drop it down enough, it most, will most likely sell. But mm. you, you know, it's it's got to be it's got to be finished. You know, accordingly to the, to the target market. So so that a lot of those things are interlinked. But I think certainly the the, the, the sort of Level of planning applications is is probably my biggest concern um, going forward. I think the the kind of value um, questions are, you know, always they're always very important. And I think land value is always notoriously sticky. It's called residual for a reason, right? It's the last thing that, yeah. that, that changes in those in those valuation reports. So, um, you know, I think yeah, that that is a, that is a concern.
2: Thanks, Callum. So as we've just discussed, there's a lot of moving parts in arranging a loan facility, where's the value in a borrower bringing a debt advisor to the table? Someone such as land funds that are there from start to finish. There's a huge amount of information that we bring to the table from the land tech ecosystem. Does that benefit you from the outset and enable you to speed up your initial underwrites and then help from that point forward in terms of loan drawdowns, professionals, et cetera? Or do you find there's a bit there's too many Sort of chefs in the kitchen, so to speak.
0: I think that a good capital advisor and uh, or, or finance broker is is worth their weight in gold to to, to the lender. A packaging the, the information as described in 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 the, in the way that lenders like to see it. A good a, a good capital advisor will, will know how how that should look and what and what is needed and what is not needed. Um, so packaging that up in the first instance gives the, the the lender the sort of best chance to review it quickly. Yeah, this looks like a professional you know outfit that are doing something sensible so you you can get your your terms nice and nice and quickly and get the process off to a good start and also once once you're in in the thick of it if you like when there's lawyers when there's values when there's monitoring surveyors involved, having that sort of conduit between the two parties um it, it is incredibly useful and and in my opinion does add does add a great deal um you know that there are certain times where it can feel like th- there's too many chefs but that is generally um the exception to the rule I, I i would say
1: just going back to sort of the market situation as well one of the things i was interested that you shared with us in our briefing session was around you know we we know there is a lot of um stress for the contractor space at the moment you also spoke about the consolidation of small lenders and obviously that comes with a degree of sort of developers thinking well i wonder if it's going to be my lender or, or you know I wonder what can happen if i go and work with a certain lender how do you think that process is going to affect borrowers, both from existing debt and people who are in the process or about to take on that uh, a new loan? In this process, in general,
0: both parties are doing their due diligence, aren't they? So, so um, with we've spoken a lot about the, the due diligence that we will do as a lender on on, on the development and the developer, which are the two, two, two elements. But I think the the borrower and the capital advisor should also doing their due diligence on the on, on the lender. Um, you know, understanding where they are, how they're performing. You, you know, kind of um, knowing where their funding comes from. That, that, that's a big, a big question that I think you know good capitalizers always ask and should be able to to um, pass on to their borrowers. And it's a great, it's a great question here from a borrower. You know, where where does your money as the lender Absolutely. come from? Because um, it's, it's really important. Um, as for consolidation, um, you know, we'll see in twenty twenty four. I think there's there's certainly a, a chance that that, that happens. Um, I think you're starting to see sort of across property as a wider industry. There's been a few quite large deals um, this year. You know, um, CoStar, for example, by um, was it Prime Location, I, I believe, or, or one of those websites. You've also had Cheston's, a, a very you know um, famous London agent, be be bought over by by European funds. So across real estate as a whole, there are sort of um, there, there are some sort of interesting transactions happening um, across various companies. Um, how that would affect the lending landscape? the next year um you know we, we will we will wait and see um but yeah i would i would always be pro asking your kind of funder directly you know wh- where does your money come from and if if they can't answer that then it's it's probably it's probably a, a sign to maybe to, to to maybe you know dig a bit deeper
1: i think i'm going to ask politely if you can give us a bit more detail on that as the last piece so we always finish our episodes with the real advice and we try and condense a- 60 seconds sort of take key takeaway. I was going to ask you about equity because it always comes up, but I think actually that's a really good point because as a former developer, I would always just feel that I'm beholden to the, the terms I can get, see if I like the person I'm working with, see if the broker says, you know, that's a good, you know, you're getting, you're getting a good deal. I probably wouldn't have taken the time. And I'm not saying just purely for those new developers, obviously those who have become, you know, quite sort of nonchalant the way they do things because they're confident, probably again, wouldn't go back and ask them those questions. Is there one or two points that you think beyond asking what is your source of capital that you think a, a developer should and could be asking their potential lender to make sure they do understand who they are partnering up with?
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of things. I think certainly that question would be would would be number one on my list is, is where does the money come from and, and how solid is that? I would also ask, as a borrower, always how... Um, Rather than telling me about your success stories, which, which we all do, we all like to, you know, post on post on LinkedIn and, and other platforms when we when we've successfully been repaid or successfully written a deal. I think I would ask the lender how the last workout situation happened with with something that um, you know didn't go so well. How did how did that process you know get resolved? Who you know how, how what was the reason for it? And and ask for an example of the sort of um, nastier side of, of, of the industry, if you like. Um, to to get chapter and verse on that f- from a lender, because um, you know, and they won't be able to. Of course, people won't be able to mention specifics, but they should be able to give you a kind of uh, a, a decent um, synopsis of uh, of what happened with something that, that that didn't go so well. So I think because it, it's it's one of those industries, real estate and development particularly, is that when when the sun's shining mm-hmm. and everyone's and, and everything's great, you know, everyone's friends. When when things get when things get a bit tough that's when you actually find out how how sort of um you know fair and kind yeah. of you know um you know equitable if you like for for one of a better word um both parties are in terms of the, in, in terms of the in terms of the position um you know cuz it's that, that that's the real that that's the real um sort of litmus test if you like yeah. is to, is to finding out who, who's going to stand behind what they've put forward from a developer in terms of what they've said they can do and, and also from the lender in terms of you know are we going to um, you know, stand behind our facility and make sure that we're, you know, giving the developer every chance that there's a fair chance to, 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 to sort of redeem the, the situation or, or are they going to be trigger happy and sort of, you know, look at any, any sort of, um, excuse to bring in, to bring in the men in gray suits if you like.
1: Well, another great soundbite as well. You are uh, quite good at those. I might have bring in for a few more to, <laughs> uh, finish off next series as well. Um, Calamoli, that's all we've got time for today. For our audience, do connect with or check out the show notes to be able to connect with our guests on LinkedIn. Obviously, check out Clearwell Capital for more details on their lending journey and lending focus as well, and also a lot of the good development finance uh, publications that are out there as well. I've read some good articles from you guys recently. So, thank you very. Thank much. you both for your you. uh, preparation. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Hello, everyone. It's your host, Alexandrian Griffin, again, just to say thank you for joining us for this episode. If you liked it, hit the like button, subscribe, and of course, share it with your peers. A big thank you to our partners, Land Tech, for powering this episode. If you want to find out more about their products like Land Insight or Land Fund, go to land.tech or follow LandTech on LinkedIn for SME developer updates, finance updates, and of course, the data and research mentioned in this episode. We'll see you back for the next session when we get into some real development conversation. Thank you.